Uh, it's good to be here again, and I'm a little bit envious, but not so much of Tim and the bicycle riding. Carol and I do quite a bit of bike, bicycling around here, and actually we go by this church every now and then. There's a, a, a route that we take that starts at um, the train station up here, you know, and goes around up north of 30 and comes down, and we actually go right by the church here and then head up the hill back to the, the train station. And um, it's called the Inter- Intercourse Quickie, and it's, it's about 18.8 miles compared to the larger ones that we've done of 50 and 62 miles this, this summer. So we enjoy bicycling. We come by here and remember our time here, and it's great to be here again. Um, Carol, why don't you stand so they can see you? This is my lovely assistant today, Carol. <laughs> uh, Carol and I have been uh, back from the field now. This is my fifth year teaching at Lancaster Bible College. Uh, my role there, well, we were missionaries with pioneers for 23 years in seven years in uh, China, in Shanghai, uh, four years in Hong Kong, and then 12 years in Thailand. Our role in Thailand was to oversee our church planting teams from Vietnam over to India. So it was a lot of travel. It was the shepherding and pastoral administrative role uh, for those years. And about four and a half years ago, uh, LBC said, hey, would you come back and head up our missions program? So that's what I'm doing now. I'm I am the coordinator for the intercultural studies major, which is what we call missions now. And I'm also now in my second year as the chair of the Department of Church and Ministry Leadership. So I oversee the majors of pastoral studies, pre-seminary, intercultural studies, student ministry, TESOL, teaching English to speakers of other languages, women and Christian ministry, children and family ministry, and uh, spiritual formation and discipleship. So those are under the department that I chair right now. So... It's a heavy administrative role, but I, I, have, I will not give up my teaching role. What I need to warn you about, though, is that most of my classes go an hour and a half long. <laughs> so we're going to uh, go a little bit shorter here. My goal for this morning is for you to know, be, and do something. I want you to know more about God's plan for your life in terms of reproducing yourself. Today's uh, talk is, is called Bearing Fruit, and we're going to be in John chapter 15 where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 17. So I want you to know what that really means for us. Secondly, I want you to be who God wants you to be in Christ. This is probably the, the crux of today's message. And then I want you to think about what does that mean for you in terms of when you walk out of here, what's the so what? What difference should it make? Now, my preaching style is more of extractive teaching. I'd rather... I'm not so much of a preacher as much as I am a teacher, and that means you have to be involved. So let's get started, class. (laughs) I want you to turn to the person next to you and tell that person your favorite fruit. Okay, shouldn't take that long. Okay, newsflash for you. In case you didn't know, in the Garden of Eden, it was actually a peach. (laughs) That would be the most tempting thing for me. But uh, I don't know if you're aware of it, but this weekend is Apple Festival in Adams County and other places as well. But uh, Carol grew up in New York County. I grew up in northern New Jersey, New York City area. As a Giants fan, I consider myself in enemy territory (laughs) here. That's all we're going to say about that, (laughs) at least until next week. (laughs) But I brought with me some apples. 
Um, if I were to ask you not what your favorite fruit is, but what is your favorite apple, do you realize that there are over 600 varieties of apple? This past week, the New Holland Fair was going on, and I went up there. They had 18 different varieties of apples being judged. This is my favorite variety of apple, Jonagold, and I'll explain why in a few moments. And yes, there are several apples up here, and yes, the first 20 or so that get up here may have one after the service is over, after the service is over. But let's, let's start in John 15, and I'm going to read the first few verses, um, John 15, 1 to 4. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. This word, this phrase, remain in me, um, is a very important word for this uh, message and for this passage when uh, Jesus is speaking. And, you know, at the very top here, this little stem thing here, used to be very, very important to the apple. Not so much right now, but until this apple got picked, that was the lifeline. It was the, if you will, umbilical cord for the apple, because without this stem, it was not going to abide in the tree. That's where the nourishment came from. That's where the life came from. When we see a passage like this, one of the things that concerns us is the word prune, or uh, the pruning. You know, one of the things I, I looked up as I was uh, preparing for this message, there's an, uh, an article called Pruning to be Fruitful. You know, there's different ways to prune a tree, but in order to increase fruit, here are the five principles of pruning. Number one, remove the dead wood. Number two, prune crossover branches. When branches are crossing over each other, can't have that. Thirdly, Selectively, selectively remove branches in the same space. Four, open up the middle of the tree. Give some room for the sunshine and the water to get to these branches. And then the last one is thin out the fruit. Now, as a missions guy, I can take that path, just those five things, and make it sing missions. Going where we are not going. Why would we continue to send 98 of our funds to missions to places where there are already Christians. As Todd Aaron says, most of our missions efforts are Christians helping Christians be better Christians. And yet we've got to prune the branches and scatter things so that more people get to hear what the gospel message is. But that's not my point for this morning. Stay focused. When you think about fruit, the goal of the tree is the goal of the fruit is to abide in the tree. Okay? As believers, we have a tendency to focus on producing fruit when our focus should really be on abiding in Christ. We focus on what do I look like? What am I doing? How do people see me? Rather than how much am I tied into Jesus Christ? You see, the result of abiding is fruit. When was the last time you walked by an orchard and heard groaning as the trees worked to produce fruit? 
Has anyone ever heard that? The trees don't groan to produce fruit. It just happens naturally as they grow, as they abide. As this, the fruit is the result of our abiding. It's not the goal of our abiding. It's what happens as a result of our abiding in God. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who, who abides in me will bear much fruit, will bear fruit. We have a tendency in our churches to look at one another and look at the fruit that we're bearing and make judgments or comparisons on what we see. And we should be focusing on ourselves and what, what others cannot see. Because if we focus on what happens inside, it will produce what can be seen on the outside. One of the things that Jesus makes very, very clear is that he has a very low tolerance for those who don't do that. I don't want to get into a whole big theology of suffering and death, but clearly here, there is a low level of tolerance for those who do not produce fruit. When you think about it, why are we still here? I heard a speaker on one of our chapel messages on campus this past week. He said, there's, only, there's really only one thing that we can do here that we can't do in heaven, and that's bring others to Christ. Otherwise, it would be better for us to be held under the water a bit longer when we're baptized and go and be with Jesus right now. <laughs> yeah, the students liked that one as well when they heard that. <laughs> but the point is, we, we are here to bring honor and glory to God even while we're here. We will do that for all of eternity. Let's start doing it now. Psalm 96.3, one of my favorite verses of all time. Declare his glory among the nations, his mighty deeds among all peoples. And what we see here is a two-sided coin. On the one hand, we, we're told to bring glory to God. I'm not, sorry, whoops, we got... There we go, sorry. Um, we, we are to bear fruit. Our actions should show what's going on inside of us. When I think about God, he says, declare his glory... Proclaim his mighty deeds. There's a relationship between who he is and what he's done. God, you are holy. How do I know that? Because you judge sin. You are loving. How do I know that? Well, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. I could say, Tim is very courageous. How do I know that? He's riding his bicycle <laughs> so many miles. Or he's doing something very courageous, and as are a number of people from this congregation. So it's a character quality that is revealed through an action. God is, I mean, declare his glory through the things that he's done. And how the same thing's true for us. Our fruit is the outward manifestation of what's going on inside. People are going to make decisions about Jesus Christ based on what they see in us, by the fruit that they see. There is some debate about what fruit actually represents here. Is it a quality of life, or is it reproducing your life? Is it the fruit of the Spirit, or the character quality that you have, or is it that I'm making disciples, converts, others who are following after, after God? And I think as we go further in this passage we can actually make a case where it's a both end, not an either or, because you cannot make disciples without having quality of life that, rep that reveals God's glory. And so in this, in this first passage, Jesus is saying, I want you to bear fruit. I want your life to have an impact on others as they look at you. But then as we get to the second paragraph, 
we see that he's talking about not just bearing fruit, but as you see, bearing much fruit. So let's look at the second paragraph. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? I'm sorry, you can do what? If your stem is not connected to the vine, you're not going to be producing fruit. You can do a few things? No, you can do nothing. For an American, that's a hard thing for us to accept. We are rugged individualists. We will make it happen. We can do anything if we just set our minds to it and persevere. No, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing of significance. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And so here he's talking about not just bearing fruit, but bearing much fruit. And we get introduced to this concept of reproduction, reproducing, multiplying yourself. He says, and this verse 7, if you abide in me and my word abides in you. Those are conditional sentences. My master's degree is in English as a second language. Some of my students actually call me the grammar Nazi. Okay? I am ruthless when it comes to comma usage. What is it with schools that they don't teach how to use commas anymore? But I get, I get sidetracked. Okay? But it, it is important to look at the grammar here. If you abide in me, and if my word abides in you, then. Now, another little known fact about me is that my father worked for IBM for over 30 years. When I went into college, I wanted to be a music major. My dad said, there's no money in music. So I became a missionary. <laughs> no, I, but first, when I went to Westchester, where, we, uh, where Carol and I met, I was in um, computer science. And one of the things that you learn in basic programming is the if-then statement. If X, then go to line 300 back in basic way back when. If this, then this. If this happens, then do this. If you abide in me, and if you, my word abides in you, then you may ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Some people have taken this verse out of context and say, why doesn't God answer my prayers? Well, we have to ask ourselves, are you living up to the first condition. Are you abiding in him? Is his word abiding in you? See, the more you abide in him, the more what you ask will align with what he wants anyway, which is to bring glory to him. Uh, those of you who remember the catechism, what is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. That is job one. What is our purpose? Our purpose is to glorify God. Our purpose is to glorify God. Our purpose is to glorify God. Sometimes we forget that. One way that we can glorify God is by remaining in Him, and as we do so, what we ask will um, align ourselves with what He does. When we talk about bearing much fruit, one of the things I wanted to 
bring here was a number of varieties of apples. And um, you can see in this tray, I don't know how well you can see back there. I'm not going to tip it sideways or they'll come crashing down. We've got one, two, three, six, nine, ten different varieties of apple here. One of the beauties of being a Christian is that I don't have to be like you and you don't have to be like me. When it comes to bringing glory to God and bearing much fruit, we'll see. By the way, here, this is my favorite apple, Jonagold, right? One of the nice things about this apple is it's sweet. It, my, my favorite actually is the Macintosh. I love the thin skin, I love the tartness, but I, sometimes I'd rather have a sweeter apple, a little heartier apple. And as you think, about, the, here are the different apples that I brought up here. I've got the Jonathan, which is according to some website, so it must be true, um, is the best flavored, uh, has the best balance between sweet and sharp. The smokehouse apple, okay? This is what's used usually for making cider. I love apple cider. Had some just last night. Uh, the Macintosh, the Gala apples, these are, they have strong, good keeping qualities. They will last a long time. They're good for traveling. When Carol and I travel and take some food bars or apples with us, I don't take Macintosh because they're too soft. They'll bruise easily. But the Gala is an, a good keeping a, uh, apple. The Fortune apple is easier to grow. You know, as I continue to read these, think about how would I apply this to my life? What qualities about me might there be? As it looks, uh, the, the Empire apple has a, a stronger vine, uh, sour taste. Uh, the Ida Red has exceptional keeping qualities. It has a pleasant, mild, but undistinguished apple flavor. Okay, which one of you would be the Ida Red? <laughs> And then the Cortland, one of the more successful Macintosh offspring with all the usual characteristics, including the sweet flavor. But there's another one up here that I brought along. Hmm, which one? Oh, I don't know if you can see it here. I mean, as I hold these two apples up, can you tell, I mean, other than the color, you might not know it, but this is actually wax. In fact, if I hold it up alongside the smokehouse apple, what would be the best way to find out? <laughs> Don't get ahead of me. <laughs> which is the true fruit and which one is not? You see, by looking at it, we really don't, especially from a distance, right? And there's some truth right there. From a distance, when people look at our lives, can they really tell the difference between true fruit and wax fruit? It's not until you get inside, the best way to do that, of course, is to take a bite or not with a wax apple. Um, we do have some concerns sometimes about the kind of fruit that we're projecting that people see on the outside. As I look around this room right now, I see a lovely bunch of people. But I can't see into your hearts. That's, only, that's something only the Holy Spirit can do. But you, can, you know your own heart. There may actually be someone in here who is, who is the wax fruit, who is portraying himself or herself as a follower of Christ, but inside, there's really nothing. There's no reality to that. Putting that on the side for a moment, what kind of apple or fruit are you bearing? God has created you uniquely for a purpose, you know, I, when I first went to China, the first time we went on a survey trip, 
One of the things I did to raise money was I baked pies. I love to bake pies. Haven't done it for a long time. I've got a wife who is a tremendous cook, Exhibit A, okay? <laughs> okay? And this is after I've lost a number of pounds this summer. But I used to love to make pies, and I baked a bunch of pies to raise money to go to China. And when I bake apple pies, I don't use any kind of apple. I didn't make decisions. I want to know the combination of taste, I don't want something that's going to be so mushy that it just becomes liquid inside. I'm going to choose a specific apple or combination of apples for a pie, not the same apples that I will use if I'm traveling on my bike ride when I want to travel. In the same way, each of you has a different set of gifts and abilities that God has given to you for his purpose. Some of you are gifted in evangelism, perhaps, and you love to tell people about Jesus. Some of you, as soon as I say that, get a little bit sweaty in the palms. That's not me. Some of you are gifted in administration. And those who are not love you because you get things done. Some of you are gifted in the area of teaching. And if you're not doing that, then you're really not living out who God created you to be. And that's true for any of you. One of the things I want you to think about this week is... God, how have you made me, and how do you intend for that to be used? Each of you is a different variety of Christian. We are all tasked with the same goal of glorifying God, but how we do that will be different for each one of us. And you cannot really do that until you know how God's gifted you and created you. And then once you know that, you need to then look outside and say, how, God, do you want me to use this? How do you want me to glorify you through what you've given to me? And so, as you look at these variety of apples, think in your own life. How am I different from others, and how does God want me to live that out for his glory? Um, as, I, as I mentioned, there were over 600 varieties of Christians, in the, of, of apples, <laughs> probably more than that for Christians. If there were 600 varieties of apples, how many different varieties of Christians do you think there might be? I don't know the answer, but there's a lot. And the question is not, how am I, well, it's a twofold question again. How am I the same as all my brothers and sisters in Christ, but how am I different from them? One of the dangers that we have when we ask that second question is we start to compare and judge as we look at one another, rather than celebrating our differences. As I'm shaking the hands of these young ladies up here before the service begins, warm hand, warm hand, cooler hand, warm hand. We're not all the same. As you think about, uh, how many of you would like to be on the bicycle ride right now? Okay. <laughs> how many of you say, not no way, not no how, I'm happy to pray for them as they go? <laughs> and we are different. In Thailand, we have a t- there's a t-shirt, there's a saying that in Thailand that says, same, same, but different. And they say, yes, we're the same, but we're also different. On the one side, same, same, but different. And that became a running statement amongst missionaries over there. We're the same, but we're also different. And we need to celebrate our differences and enjoy our sameness. We have a tendency to to look at our differences and see them as bad rather than celebrating them. You look at all these apples and you ask yourself, how am I different from others? I'm still an apple, but I'm not the same as everyone else. There are some who have the same giftings and they might go well together. And we find that happening even in churches, that people of the same variety gather together. And that's not bad 
until we push out those who aren't like us. But that's not the end of it. It's not just enough to know that we are to bear fruit, nor is it enough to know that we are to bear much fruit. It's this last paragraph for today that we want to look at where Jesus says, bear fruit that will remain, beginning in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. Question, what is the fruit of an apple tree? What's the fruit of an apple tree? No, it's a trick question. (laughs) The fruit of the apple tree is actually the seeds inside the apple. And so I have a couple of apple seeds here right now. If I had planned better, I would have had an apple seed for every one of you. But I only have five in my hand right now. This is the fruit of the apple tree. The, The apple is what holds the precious seed. It is only a vehicle for the seed. It's the seed that is of most importance to that tree. How can I, apple tree, reproduce myself through these seeds? God is not interested in just your coming to faith in Jesus Christ, which he is, but he wants to reproduce through you others who know him. If I were to ask you, what is the love chapter in Scripture? Most of you, many of you would probably say, oh, it's 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind, and you would go on from verse 4. My contention is that 1 John 4 is really God's love chapter, where he talks about we love because he first loved, and even before that he talks about it's it's an expansion of John 3.16. God loved the world so much that he gave his son. If the greatest thing that was ever given to you was the seed of the gospel. What's the greatest thing that you could ever give to someone else? It's that same seed. If uh, The USDA has a, a policy for uh, how they distinguish what qualifies as a seedless watermelon. Anything that has or an orange or different kinds of fruit, you, you cannot classify it as seedless unless it has five or fewer seeds in it. For, for an orange, I think that is. I would hate to see a seedless Christian. What is the seed that you are reproducing in others? Jesus makes it very clear here that at the heart of the gospel is the word love. If Jesus demonstrated nothing else, he de- demonstrated that God so loved the world that he sent his son. It's interesting to see here that even within the Trinity, there is a hierarchy of function, not of value, but of function. 
where Jesus said, I'm doing what the Father called me to do. Not my will, but yours. There is clearly a functional hierarchy within the, within the Trinity. The Holy Spirit says whatever, whatever the Holy Spirit does, it is to bring glory to Jesus Christ. We need to recognize that we are not the rugged individualists that America designs or wants us to be. We are submitted to God. Ephesians 5 is probably the best passage for this. You know, that passage where it says, husbands, love your wives, wives, be, uh, submit to your husbands. But before, it's, we are all to submit one to another, but beyond that, in order to make that possible, we have to submit to God. We are his seed, and we, we reproduce his seed in others through loving one another. Love one another. Love one another. Jesus is very repetitive here, and it's intentional. One of the best teaching techniques out there is repetition, right? So, repeat after me. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. It's one at a time. Love one another. One of the dangers that we have on the mission field, and even here in the U.S., is that we tend to say, we, they. And we put up this wall, they are the others, we are the we. And there's a danger of doing that in the church here. And we need to love one another here, but we also need to love the other out there. And I thank the Lord for the connection that you guys have, the, the, the ministry with the factory and the school and the church. What a great picture. Some of the songs that we sang this morning were sung in the first person plural, we, we, we. And we in America tend to focus more on the I, me, God be to me, I. And when I see the we songs being sung, it warms my, my heart because we need to be loving one another here and there. The only way to for this seed to have its impact is to what? Say it again. Is to die. This seed is no longer attached to the vine right now. It will not grow in my hand. It has to be planted in the ground. It has, it's died and it has to be planted. How, okay, some of you are already ahead of me here. What does that mean for us? We have to die to ourselves daily. What does it look like to die to ourselves? Well, it means not me, but you, God. Several times a day, dying to myself, not my will, but yours. How can I love this person, Lord, in a way that reflects you? How can I show them that I am abiding in you by my choosing to die to my own wants, my own desires, my own needs, so that I can show them how Jesus Christ did the same for me? He died for me. He died for us. He died because he loved us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8. What a great, I mean, there's no better demonstration of his love as he sees right here. Um, he died for us. We need to die for one another. So as we look at this, this passage here, how are we going to glorify God? We're going to proclaim who he is and what he's done. We're going to demonstrate who he is by what we do, by dying to ourselves. As, we, as I wrap this up here, I want you to, 
to think about this as, as I uh, wrap it up. He says to go and bear fruit. What part of go do we not understand? You know, in the, there are actually five different Great Commission passages. And when he says go, it, it's that word send. When you hear the word send, you know, just as in this passage Jesus says, as the Father have loved me, so I love you. Later in John he says, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. And that send has sort of a twofold meaning, but it's, it's like I'm going to send you. Think about that email that you're typing up, and just before, and then you click on send. <laughs> you've prepared it. You've got it ready to go. Hold on, hold on. And with a little push of the button, it goes. And Jesus is preparing us, preparing us quick. And now we're being sent. We have been prepared. We will never fully feel prepared, but we need to go. I mean, that, it literally says, as you are going, make disciples. As you are going, make disciples. Produce fruit. Not just fruit, but much fruit. And not just fruit, but fruit that will remain. Closing verse, 2 Timothy 2.2. When Paul says to Timothy, the things that you've heard from me in the presence of many men, the, uh, the th- I'm sorry, the things that you've heard from me entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So you have Paul... Timothy, uh, faithful men, others also. I was telling my biblical theology of missions class this week, you cannot really consider yourself a disciple until you've seen four generations of disciples. I can teach someone, and I know that they know it, but if I teach them to teach someone else, that's better. But if they teach someone to teach someone to teach someone, now it has a movement to it. On, in Cambodia, we have a church uh, planting team. They've been there since 1998. And when they started, they, um, it was just uh, one family. The team grew. They went, to, went north to a, a town called Shillong. And they spent a couple years, and a church started to form as individuals came to Christ. And then that church planted a church. And now there's actually seven different churches. A movement has begun in your life. Focus first on becoming who God wants you to be, but don't stop there. Keep on going and reproducing that to others. Bear fruit, bear much fruit, bear fruit that will remain so that others in turn will come to know Christ and see his glory among the nations. Father, I pray that even today you would help us to know who we are in Jesus Christ as we remain in him, as we dwell in him, as we abide in him, Help us to have our stems connected to you and your word. Help us, Father, to produce fruit. Not that we can produce it, but help that fruit to be produced by you as we abide in you. And help us to not be satisfied with that. Help us to look out to those around us. Help us to love one another. Help us to die to ourselves daily, moment by moment, that we might plant the seeds of love, the love of the gospel, the love that comes from you in the lives of those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.